Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 35 for Monday, April 15th, 2019. My name is Johnny, but you might know me as Pixel Riffs, and joining me as always is Canada's favourite son, Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Hey, 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 I'm climbing up in the world. This is great. <laughs> Apparently. Yes, I don't, I'm not sure where I'm sourcing that information, but uh, I don't know. If you ask Canada, they, 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 might, they might recommend you. <laughs> I hope so. I hope a number of people were just like, yeah, I know that guy. It reminds me of that old, that old, um, it was a Just for Laughs comedy fest where Will Shatner got up on stage and recited, uh, you know, Oh Canada, but with like a, kind of like a poem. Uh, and it was, and it was not, he didn't write it, but he performed it. And it was just like, no, I don't know Billy, Bobby or Susie from Canada. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's, it's one of those things like, essentially it's like a, a Coles notes for Canada for Americans. And it was just like, no, I don't know that other person that you know from Canada because Canada is the second largest country on the planet. Yes, yeah, yeah. Geographically yeah. speaking. So, yeah. no, <laughs> our neighbors are really far away. <laughs> it, it always used to be the case of like, yeah, pe- people who came over to America from the UK back in like the 60s were always asked if they knew either the Queen or the Beatles because mm-hmm. <laughs> those were the only, the only people anybody in the States had heard of at the time. Yeah. All right, so uh, let, let's do our let's do our quick login. What you what are you up to in Minecraft this week? I saw you were streaming the other day. What were you uh, doing on stream? I had two really large streams this weekend. Uh, I say large, I mean long. I, I streamed for longer than I normally do. Uh, I have been turning most of my streams into YouTube videos. That's kind of how I record. I do kind of live content and then I chop it up into videos. But this weekend, the tasks that I was taking care of were, I don't want to say not interesting, but they were. Lots of little things. They didn't really deserve the pomp and circumstance of a YouTube video. I've also kind of recorded quite a bit, so I'm I'm ahead on my you know projects, and so I thought I'm just gonna chill out. We're gonna hang out and take care of some technical stuff. I've been meaning to cross this off of my to-do list for a while. So I was in the swamp base, and I was turning uh, on one of the the streams the other day we we did uh, uh, turning a skeleton um, spawner into a a new kind of collection and moving those drops Mm -hmm. well the destination for those drops is my central swamp base and it was an absolute mess like we're talking chokers are everywhere and chests that just kind of sort of collect stuff and are now floating and like it's all kinds of problems so i took some time to redirect some uh, some water streams redesign kind of like the central area uh, we did. I built a dome, so I was doing like some some uh, live circle building. We know how that goes. Um, mine was much smaller than the one that you were attempting, so there was no mistakes made. But uh, it was fun to just kind of like have these very simple tasks, be able to hang out with the chat and do that kind of stuff. Uh, we've relocated and redesigned some of the uh, drops for the slime farm and the. Uh, bone farm something that i noticed the other day that i think is missing from the game is the ability to sort out different non-stackable items yeah yeah you know yeah stuff like Like being able to weapons and yeah that kind of stuff i mean you you can pull bows if you want to use them for fuel if you don't though if you want to combine bows and just you know use your crazy levels that you got from your xp farm to turn a bunch of these enchanted bows into like ultra bow then you can't do that if you're putting them all into a furnace. Mm-hmm. So you just have to like let the skeleton farm pull out. You can filter out arrows and you can filter out bones and then everything else just goes into a chest. Like yeah, just, just bow, or, bows, or a series armor of chests. and yeah, just all kinds of 
chain yeah. and gold stuff that you get. Yeah, exactly. Uh, most of which is, you know, useless. But I mean, like if you're an early game, you know, having some gold nuggets that you might be able to use to craft a couple of gold ingots that could then be used for powered rails. I mean, it's not not useless. I- iron ingots uh, are going to be in higher demand soon for lanterns and stuff as well. I can see people That's true. converting that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I have that all set up. Uh, and I, in the process of all of this, I'm trying to debate uh, what to do with my witch farm drops, all of which are currently being sorted at the surface. And I didn't do it on stream, but in a creative world, I believe I've sorted out a way to have side-by-side water elevators where the items will not cross and get um, jumbled up. Mm-hmm. So you sort the items first, and then you put them into water streams that are, you know, get soul sand at the bottom and, you know, bubbles and pushing stuff up. But the it's it's a panel of water columns. So technically, you know, things could squirrel left or right. Uh, but because you can waterlog trapdoors, I think I've sorted it away that I could sort all my witch drops at the bottom underneath at the source where the witches are dying and then send these sorted items up water streams directly into chests at the top, which will give me more room uh, to walk around kind of in this in this build that I've made because I'm kind of, it's quite close quarters. Um, if I want to do that, I haven't decided if I want to do that yet, but it's, it's one of those things that I mean, I might just do it just to see if I could, um, but I, I, I'm pretty proud of being able to sort that out. You know, I'm not a big redstone person, but it was like a bunch of circuits I already knew, and it was more about water mechanics than anything else. But yeah, uh, so that was really fun. And then the, to cap off the end of the stream, and this is an exciting kind of thing for me. Uh, I had a, a, a guest on the Citadel Cafe podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, Todriel. She's a streamer and, and a really, really fun person. Yeah, I, I, rec- been- I recall her being on the show talking about No Man's Sky a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's how I found her. Uh, she was playing No Man's Sky. And so uh, she's looking to get into Minecraft. So she ended up hosting my stream. She didn't raid, but she had a bunch of people. She was just hanging out on Twitch. And so she hosted the stream and she brought in a couple of folks and they were watching and asking questions and stuff. And she she's never really paid much attention to like um, playing it, what it actually is. She doesn't know who to follow. So she's new to the community. And so she came in. She's like, I'm thinking about getting this. I'm just like, are you serious? Because she's a fun, she's a fun person. Mm-hmm. And and so I took the opportunity at the end of the stream to kind of walk around and show, you know, a little bit of the builds and Dartmouth Meadows and some of the stuff that we've done on the Citadel over the course of now almost two years. And it was so fun and so cute to see her reactions in chat. Yeah. And I forget that feeling. So like when you're introducing new players to the game, you have that nostalgia of like your first walkthrough the mystery, the I don't get it yet, but I know I will eventually sort of feeling. But uh, like she was sold as soon as she saw cats. She was just like, I'm in, I'm in. I am 100%. This is going to be a problem. I am in so hard. You know, she, she, she doesn't even know because we're getting more cats in the next update. Exactly, right? So it's one of those things that was really, really fun to experience. And uh, and I, do, I wanted to give her a shout out on the show. Her content is not always family friendly. So the people that are listening to the Spun Chunks just proceed to Tadriel's channel with, with caution. Um, she plays a lot of first person shooters. So there's a lot of kind of like gun violence and stuff. And sure. it's competitive. So she sometimes gets a little bit salty but it's most of it's funny salty but sometimes there can be some real salt in (laughs) the wounds yeah Uh, but she's a very entertaining person and a a really great streamer so if none of that bothers you then 
uh, then check her out. Um, and hopefully look forward to seeing her in Minecraft. There might be some, we might do some co-streams in the future just to try to introduce her into the game. It could be quite fun. That is awesome. It's always really cool to hear stories about people picking up Minecraft after it's been around for like 10 years and there's still mm-hmm. people coming into the community and people who are, you know, otherwise fairly seasoned gamers. You know, they have their preferences for stuff like first-person shooters and the Battle Royale games that are out right now. But then they're like, I, like, I have a creative streak and I'm thinking about looking into this Minecraft game. Turns out it's a lot deeper than I expected it to be. And I'm like, yes, welcome in. One of us. One of <laughs> us. You know? And, so, and her, her specific mention in the chat was that she's looking for something that she can play and chat more because one of the things that i've noticed in her streams is that like they're tense yeah Uh, so she only chats between matches sure because she she can't otherwise if she looks at the chat room during a match she's dead like yeah yeah. and and she plays at a very competitive level if you're playing with squads and stuff as well you've got to keep the communication between you so you don't get confused and so forth yeah exactly exactly so so what what, how's the castle going on uh, on the survival guide the castle is going really well the castle is slowly coming together i i still haven't finished off the roof sections of some of it and i'm adding detail to the others so like there's there's one corner of it and like the central courtyard is looking a little bit more put together now i've been working on doors and stuff on the on the streams that i've done this week and then there are sections off off to the side that have a a bit more detail but then you go to the opposite end of the castle and there's still stuff that's just like flat gray boxes with no roof and stuff so there's there's definitely Mm. a a little a little bit of it that needs needs fixing up but i'm going to do that probably later today and then over the next few episodes then there's going to be a bit more stuff coming in um but it really it i i I originally earmarked it as like this is going to be castle week and lo and behold it takes a lot more than a week to build one of these things to the standard that i'm trying to build it um (laughs) of course but but it's building up in stages considering that this time last week i'd only just basically built the foundations of it i'm so happy with the results so far i think all of the different roof styles and stuff that i'm integrating into this has been like it's been a good experiment and it's been a very successful one um so right now i'm trying to work out how to make pathways around it without either keeping the entire courtyard section grass which it currently is or Mm. making the paths out of stone and cobblestone and stuff and then having the entire thing just be like a maze of gray and obviously i've got other details here and there i've got the roofs which are all kind of red nether brick and regular nether bricks so they kind of have that that red palette to them um i have wood in a lot of different places as well and i'm starting to detail it and as i go i'm putting in like wood logs to represent okay i'm probably going to put a barrel here once we have barrels in 1.14 and there's going to be various other little details and entrances and stuff that go around the place but as far as path designs go i am a little bit on the fence about what i've got right now which is cobblestone mixed with a bit of mossy cobblestone a bit of grass path a bit of coarse dirt and mm. it's meant to look sort of rustic and sort of medieval in its origins, even if the town itself is probably a little bit more put together than that. And I was wondering, because you've been doing a lot of path work recently on the Citadel, if you had any advice to share about how how to put stuff like that together. So knowing what I know about the build, uh, especially because it has like a warm roof color with the red and the wine nether brick and red mm-hmm. nether bricks, and then it's got, you know, kind of a cool uh, gray, you know, facade for the most part, you know, minus the wood, whatnot. Um, I, I would go with something. I would lean more brown. I would I would maybe maybe take a large section, not the whole thing, but like maybe the barrack section or something. And I would turn the entire thing into just coarse dirt and like brown concrete powder. Yeah. It's a yeah. combination that I've seen on uh, Scar uses it on Hermitcraft to great effect. 
uh, to, and he does leave some little grass patches. Uh, and I've seen stuff like that, that, that you, I feel like you could make it look like the whole place has just been so well trodden that there's just barely any grass, like yeah. little, maybe a tuft here or there. And if memory serves, you can put, I think you can put grass on coarse dirt. Yeah, I you can, you can, wrong. you can shear it and then you can't bone meal it onto the coarse dirt, but you can add it back on later. Add it back on. You yeah. Can, like, like replant just, it. Yeah, specifically, like, just say, like, I want three blades of grass here mm -hmm. to say, like, okay, this is a shady corner that might get a little less traffic. But other than that, uh, and then I think, I think you could probably stay with having some mossy cobble and mossy stone brick and, and some gray blocks on paths if the rest of the stuff isn't green. Sure, uh, yeah. Because then you'll have the advantage, too, of um, with, with path block and uh other things you could have if you use path block not in the path but in the in the war in the in the trodden areas then your paths are going to look like they're raised a bit mm -hmm. potentially yeah. Uh, yeah and that and that and that could have a really nice effect too um i would i would also be curious to see what um what uh granite would look like yeah i I, I tried i tried granite red brick and terracotta which is the mix that i had uh, for, for the kind of foundations of the high class shops that i've built in the town already and mm. it just didn't work for me at the time but i think that may also have been because it was also surrounded by grass at the time so mm. i'm i'm basically just terraforming bits and pieces of a plane here um so yeah. yeah i i i actually really like the way mossy cobblestone blends with grass with the new textures because the newer mossy cobblestone is a lot oh yes of, it's a lighter green it's not quite so saturated and like you know it, it's it's that kind of seagrass green now whereas like in the new textures it's got a little bit more of that kind of lighter grassier thing that blends really well yeah. with plains grass mm -hmm. and i was thinking about maybe incorporating some of that here and there and I looked at it in the new textures on my stream, and I, I quite liked it. But yeah, it's it's a work in progress. I think concrete powder is a good call. I haven't really thought about using concrete powder much because it's. I mean, it's it's not so much a pain to make if it's just the powder. The regular concrete is a pain because you need to, you know, convert it using yeah, water. But water and stuff. I, I think I think brown concrete powder and maybe even a bit of green concrete powder to mix in with the grass might kind of change things up a little bit. I sure. do that all the time. Having green green concrete powder next to regular plains grass looks like moss. Mm -hmm. Like it looks like that that kind of minty moss color. Well, not minty, but it looks like that that yellow green moss color that you see yeah. on trees and pine forests and stuff. Uh, I really I really like that. Uh, you could also, I mean, carpet is unfortunately not a great texture. The the concrete powder works better. But, uh, but yeah, I, I feel what I do, I have a, a choker box that I call my landscape box and I have these items elsewhere as well, but I just keep a selection of like as many green blocks as I use on a regular basis and all kinds of different brown blocks. And I don't use them all the time, but sometimes it's nice to plop down the landscape box, open it up and go like, oh yeah, gray terracotta is kind of a dark brown. That might work good here. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't, but it's nice to have like, you know, brown terracotta brown concrete powder brown concrete just like you know a half stack of all that kind of stuff just so that you can quickly reach into the shulker box and go like you know bam 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 uh this doesn't look good that doesn't look good uh, these two might work and then you can kind of go from there um so for for anybody else that's doing the same sort of thing if you're building paths uh i generally find that it's if you select a color 
or a like a, a general color temperature, whether you're going to go with fancy and it's all gold and yellow and bright, or whether you're going to go rustic and it's all brown and gray. If you just wash the whole area in one color and then use other blocks to highlight the path, I find that that tends to work better. But I mean, like I haven't been playing the game that long, so I, you know, it's all it's all you know subjective. But if it, if it, if the look happens the way that you want, because um, I feel like it, the castle looks quite well maintained from my point of view. Yeah. So are you looking to have the paths be? broken down or are you looking to have the paths be like also maintained i think it's it's kind of a mixture of both like the castle is sort of it's a place that so much busy stuff happens that i almost feel like they wouldn't have much time to maintain stuff they're too busy focused on the industry of the town but right. yeah as, as far as like the lore is concerned i haven't really thought that far into it i haven't kind of gone mm. like this is such a a neat and organized castle i almost feel like maybe the castle was there beforehand and then, like, they've come to occupy it now that the town is growing in its kind of industry and is moving more towards a kind of Victorian-era steampunk kind of style of stuff that maybe the castle is sort of a relic of a previous age, so they don't know if they want to, like, completely renovate it or not, and it's just kind of being kept the way it is right now. But, yeah, mm. I, who, who knows? And I think the, the vision of it might even change a little bit as we come into 1.14 as well, because not only are the textures changing, but we've got a few new blocks to add to the palette. We've got some right. workstations and stuff that can give it life. Slabs and I, stuff, yeah. Yeah, I, I, still, I still don't know if I want to go crazy with the slabs and put, like, red nether brick slabs in there where I've mixed them in with the the wine-colored nether brick and there's yeah mm. andesite walls can be possible now that kind of thing uh speaking right. of which we should get into the news about minecraft 1.14 because chances are we might be talking about the full release of it before long this week we had a pre-release in fact two pre-releases for minecraft 1.14 so let's get into the news there's not a whole lot to, to talk about really i mean uh, both pre-release one and two were mostly bug fixes optimizations performance tweaks that kind of stuff not a whole lot as far as features go yeah uh, I there mean, was one worth we, mentioning in that the inside the optimi optimized world screen there's now an option to remove cached world data which uh is height maps and light so if you've got like a reoccurring light bug or you know other problem uh you could re-optimize you know the the cache data the next time you load the world and it will then apply the new fixes to those optimizations sure in 114 this is how i understand it anyway yeah there was there was a bit of confusion about that because i saw a lot of people misinterpreting that as like this is going to be able to prune old chunks from your world when it said cached world data i think a lot of people were like so like chunks that i haven't loaded for a while right no it's not how it works uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's it's more of like a you know let's delete some redundant data from all of the stuff that it knows about these chunks um yeah, height maps I'm not so sure about, but light especially, yeah, like calculating where torches are, where torches have been, that kind of mm. thing, and, and then just resetting that so that it recomputes everything with the new... I think there might have been problems with the new rendering engine, just kind of like creating a couple of bugs like yeah. that. So, yeah, maybe I that's... don't even know what height maps are. Is that is that the... Is that the verticality of the uh, yeah, world? Yeah, I mean, no. I, I mean, to me, that I, I would assume that is, yeah, like how high certain terrain is and so forth, almost like a, a mm. topographical map from from the real world. Yeah. But I, I, I can't be certain exactly what that means. Maybe some of the more technical members of our Discord could enlighten us on that score. But it's definitely not to do with like pruning old chunks or anything like that. No, no. Most of the bugs they list in in pre-release one 
focus on things like attention to village generation, uh, hit boxes of mobs and, and animals and stuff, and lighting mostly. Yeah. Uh, I f- keep on forgetting that there's a huge lighting update coming with 114. Yeah. So uh, all the more, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but all the more caution to me, uh, we were, we have plans to expand where we play on the Citadel, and we are now absolutely waiting until 114 actually drops uh, before we venture forth, you know, yeah. 5,000 blocks away and load new chunks, because it feels like if you do it now, you're asking for a world of hurt, and this optimization tool suggests that you're going to have problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, if you have not yet, uh, wait <laughs> to to you know expand your your playing field, uh, you know, and and load new chunks. Because if you can if you can all hold off, then then I think that would be a good idea to do so. Uh, the pre-release two, uh, same idea, is mostly just bug fixes. Uh, two bugs, however, I wanted to note. Um, first of which, something that I've mentioned on the show before, I believe, is that the scrolling hotbar on a Mac behaves weirdly starting in 18W01A. For those of you keeping track, that's like 14 months ago. Yeah, that was the, the Welcome first... Welcome to my world. The first 1.13 snapshot of 2018. It's 18W01A. It wasn't the first snapshot of 1.13 in, in development, but it was, yeah, like the, the, the first proper snapshot release that came out last year yeah so the current quote-unquote fix which isn't really a fix it just kind of helps uh is opening up your options txt file and changing the mouse sensitivity of the scroll wheel from one to ten uh-huh. uh, and now they're going to be adding a scroll uh i guess control in the actual options of the game but then also the bug that causes this problem with Mac specifically looks like it's being addressed as well. So I'm happy for that because that really affects my gameplay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not someone that switches tools with the keys on the keyboard. I control my character with W, you know, ASD, and I don't tend to go one, two, three to switch from pick to sword to whatever. Yeah. I, I, you know, when before the scroll bar was a problem, my scroll wheel on my mouse, I was able to switch tools just fine. Uh, and I found it quite handy to do so. So uh, it's kind of programmed into my brain right now with Minecraft Play. So I'm happy that this is going to be fixed. Uh, the other one that I, it's not so much a, a big bug as it is just a fun reminder for me in that zombie bi- villagers in certain biomes previously did not spawn with their biome specific skins. But it was a kind of a cool reminder that, hey, zombies, when zombie villagers spawn in 114, depending on what biome they're in, they're going to look different. Yeah, and they're going to be cured back into whatever, like, you know, jungle-type villager or plains-type mm-hmm. villager, and they're all going to have different uniforms that way. It's it's cool. And, yeah, a, a fun reminder that zombie villagers are going to follow that same pattern instead of... And it wasn't that long ago, even, that zombie villagers just all looked the same, and when you cured a zombie villager, you had no idea what profession you were going to get. It's only right. in a recent update that they changed it, so you can tell a zombie villager is wearing, like a purple cloak and that means it's a cleric and now right. yeah now they're going to look like there's going to be so many different variations at that point mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's a lot i mean that would be a lot of work to make those different torn and ragged versions of every costume from every biome man mm-hmm. there's there's a there's a spreadsheet in there somewhere of your oh, work yeah. day right like you have i done that one yet yes okay i did that yesterday good no because i would not recall from day to day i'd imagine it all just mush in your brain uh i'm curious before i've got a i've got a question about you know 114 and 113 uh but i wanted to know if there's any bugs uh, that stuck out to you uh in terms of the the pre-release one and two not really at this point i think it's 
it's it's really just coming down to the fine detail, which is a good sign. Mm. And considering that obviously 1.13 changed a lot of stuff, there were a lot of updates that needed to be made behind the scenes. And that seems to be happening less in 1.14, give or take this lighting engine rewrite. I think it's it's promising that we're now down to the stage where most of these are bugs that most people just wouldn't really encounter. It's just the, the occasional stuff that comes up. And yeah, that was my impression as well. When I was reading through the bug list, I was just like, I didn't know half of this stuff was a problem to begin with. Like, God, like how much do you have to be playing to even notice that bug? Like, who yeah. logged in and was like, hey, Fox's heads are a little bit larger than they were before. Like, oh, wow. Oh, I mean, sure, that's important and it's fixed, but it's like, who noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> And did, did, you know? did we mention last week that the um, spawn chunks of a world are going to be processing entities again? Is that something we covered last week? I'm looking back through our last week's show I don't remember that. When you say process entities, what do you mean? You mean that, that it, things it was, like a furnace will run? Uh, no, it was going to be the case that um, basically if you had an iron farm built in the spawn chunks, it wouldn't like keep working if you left the spawn chunks because entity processing was oh. based on player proximity. So like the villagers wouldn't do anything if you were super far away um and that was taken out basically as a performance optimization because if people built a load of farms in the spawn chunks then it could lag out the rest of the world because the world was constantly having to process whatever the villagers or chickens or whatever were doing Mm -hmm. um and i guess maybe just to kind of quell some of the concerns about iron farms not being as effective anymore and having to babysit the iron farms with the new you know iron golem spawning mechanics they've mm-hmm. added that back in so i don't know exactly which changelog that happened i think it might have been before the pre-releases started coming out but i remember some of the technical minecrafters out there il mango brought it up in one of his like sort of snapshot review videos just kind of highlighting the bug fixes he thought were important that was one of them mm. and yeah looking back through the show notes it doesn't look like we covered that maybe we sort of mentioned it offhand if it happened earlier than this week but i think that's important i think even though Iron farms probably aren't going to be where people want them to be in terms of like you can't build something that looks big and impressive and has big and impressive output like the Iron Titan anymore. It's at least going to allow for iron farms to continue to exist and continue to function sort of the way they currently have um, until such time as maybe they can revisit this stuff and come up with something that's a little bit more amenable to both sides of the discussion. I think that's Mm. the main thing. Mojang wants their villager mechanics the way they've kind of you know, envisioned them in the first place. The technical community wants iron production to be as regular as it is now so that they can focus on their technical projects that involve a lot of hoppers and so forth. Mm-hmm. And and I think what we've got right now isn't perfect, uh, but hopefully it won't put people off playing 1.14 entirely as far as the technical side and the iron farm side is concerned until such time as maybe that can be revisited a little bit. I've been thinking about this a fair bit because I've been AFKing uh I don't have to do it near the iron farm. I do it just for proximity and convenience sure. because I, I log in from time to time and create blocks out of the out of the ingots that are made. Um, but it's the only farm that we don't have to AFK at. Yeah, like no one gripes about zombie pigmen gold farms where you you have to stand there. You have to be logged in and standing there to get that, and that's fine. No one seems to gripe too much about that. But the the iron farms that are built in spawn chunks currently in 1.13 and do work as long as someone somewhere is loading the overworld, which means you can be miles away and it still runs. Mm-hmm. 
makes me feel that players have maybe been a little bit spoiled. You know, well, that, and, and that's, that's yes, the... and yes, they're taking the rug away, but at the same time, like you were on a magic carpet ride, folks. Like it <laughs> was, it was, it was pretty, pretty smooth sailing, right? That's that's the argument, really, is that like we've had this up until now, so why is it being taken away? Being the yeah. problem, like that's. I, I think if they were to add in some sort of way that zombie pigmen could be spawned and lured in when players weren't around, we would get used to that as well. And then if that was mm-hmm. rolled back again that's when problems would start so yeah Yeah. i I think i think it's interesting that iron farms are kind of a unique thing iron is so valuable even after the point where you've stopped making iron tools and iron armor that i really feel like it is a more important resource and should be made more available than just going and digging it up so i think iron farms are really important to you know minecraft play of all levels even as somebody who doesn't consider themselves a technical player i'm very happy that i have an iron farm and that i don't Mm -hmm. have to do all of my digging underground for the stuff so i think yeah it's it's kind of it's important that that mechanic remains in the game and the idea that it was going to be sort of prevented somewhat by farms having to be babysat was was a little bit troubling Uh, for as somebody who plays largely on a single player world i wasn't going to be that affected but I know server communities who would freak out. So it's it's yeah. nice it's nice to hear that that's at least being sort of taken care of, and they're 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 probably still going to be working in the background to do something about that to make it a little bit more scalable, I guess, without just cramming as many villagers as possible into a small space. Right, because I I mean we mentioned that before in the show that that to me is a performance issue problem. Yes. Like that is that is not going to be fun. You're going to get lots of iron, but I feel like unless you're paying for a crazy crazy server, like that's just not going to be fun for. Yeah. Well, not to mention, forget the server. Java's just the Java version of the game is just not optimized for that. Yeah, like you just you're going to run into problems no matter what kind of computer or server you're running. It's just not meant to handle that kind of load. Uh, and I think that if they, you know, I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of being a little bit of a devil's advocate here, uh, and 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 poking <laughs> poking yes. the the iron farm bear, but um, but I I just think like I mean I've been logging in and AFKing at the iron farm. It's like well when I want gold I AFK at the gold farm. It seems pretty simple to have to be here. I would be okay if iron production at iron farms was as it is now in terms of scale resources. You know the amount of iron that you get but required the player to be nearby like yeah. that that would be a, a simple concession i think uh i think the only difference that i you know and one of the things that i'm aware of in my comparison to a gold farm is that you don't use gold for nearly as much yeah. as you would as you would iron it's a pretty block uh and it's and it's used in powered rails and a few other things and maybe golden carrots and stuff but it, it's really not uh as versatile and needed uh, as iron is for like you know beacons and like i'm thinking about all the stuff that you need like a lot of iron for uh and and as previously pointed out on the show uh, when we had green you know uh on on for for an interview and that is um mining is boring like it's yeah. it's an essential part of the grind in the early game but it's what makes you drive for end game and drive for automation and exploring redstone and farming and all these things is because it's not really fun to go grind and mine yeah you know for for hours and hours and hours um and i think that that's i think that that's something that moyang has to remember going forward is that you know like uh, giving automated options for players is going to keep players playing the game longer yeah uh, because I would, I would ultimately agree. people don't want to restart all the time I th- i'm seeing less and less people 
restart worlds. I'm seeing less and less of that. I'm seeing more people updating worlds as far as my small window of Minecraft community uh, is going. But one thing that I noticed uh, in a recent Cub fan video, he was, uh, it wasn't actually a snapshot video, it was just a regular Hermitcraft thing, but he brought up a really interesting point. Uh, he was building something underwater and he couldn't waterlog fence gates. And it led him to mention that you can't log waterlog fence gates, doors, sugarcane, bushes, you can still put them underwater, but they have the wrong water animation on them. Yeah. And shulkers only have the wrong animation on the sides. The tops are still fine. And it kind of made me think like, Moying is saying like 114 is feature ready and they're crossing off all these little minor bugs. There is still some stuff that is either incomplete, not function functioning as expected with 113. So do you feel that Minecraft is, or Moying is moving on to 114 before they've really finished 113? It's difficult to say. I think, like, as as far as I'm concerned, I'm happy that fence gates can't be waterlogged because the Guardian farm that I built uses a lot of them. And right, there, but, there, are, but, there are some things that you can you can do without employing fence gates underwater that you can probably... You, you can still have waterlogged, say, trap doors. And doors are a weird one because doors can be waterlogged in bedrock, but then a lot of other stuff can be waterlogged in bedrock, like including the entirety of the redstone components. Um, and so, the, yeah, there's this this weird sort of back and forth between whether or not bedrock and Java should have the same functionality and what benefits there are to leaving blocks like that. Like when when I when I raided the guardian temple in in the minecraft survival guide i brought fence gates with me as an example of hey this block can't be waterlogged therefore that's a really good block to bring with you if you want to replenish your air supply underwater mm -hmm. and part of me is like taking that out would be a good thing in terms of the consistency of well you can waterlog fences so why not fence gates but then it would take out the functionality of oh here's something i can bring with me so that i don't run out of air if i get into a crisis down here right but like that wouldn't affect your guardian farm because you can place a fence underwater and you can waterlog it or have it not be waterlogged. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. And placing a fence gate down underwater, if it blocks water, fine. Then just hold shift and dump a water bucket on it and have it be waterlogged. Uh, same, same with, you can do that currently with trapdoors. I use trapdoors all the time to block water. Uh, and I use it in my water streams to, to you know transport items. If I decide to, I can shift click a bucket onto that trapdoor and waterlog it. The problem comes when you're shift clicking to place fence gates against each other, and then you're also shift clicking to waterlog the fence gate at the same time. Like it's really hard to describe this because it's been ages since I built the the Guardian farm, but it would not be possible to place a bucket of water against one of those fence gates. I think I might have to play, you, you probably have to like place a block nearby and then put the bucket of water on that and then remove the block afterwards. But it would, it right. would add so many steps to making that guardian farm because if you right click on it with a bucket of water, you can't place that bucket of water on top of the fence gate because you just open and close the fence gate with the right click action. But right. then if you shift right click to place it like on top of the fence gate because that wouldn't open or close the fence gate then you waterlog the block and so it it, mm. it complicates stuff like that which i know is not the intended mechanics of waterlogging specifically that's just something we can we can kind of exploit you know in technical creations as an example but yeah like i i i initially thought well i can make some of that guardian farm with signs and then i realized signs could be waterlogged and so shift clicking 
signs on each other like that would work the same way and I wouldn't be able to place a bucket of water on top of the signs, then I went, okay, I'm going to have to use fence gates instead because that was right. the only block available to me that would still do that. Right. And, well, you could also you could also just run a, a a stream of ice blocks across the top of it, and then run along those and bust them. Yeah. Right? See, and see then, that that and, was that's something that I've only really started doing more recently. Is everyone mm. in my comments keeps reminding me ice exists, Pix. You can use ice, and I went, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably. <laughs> I'm guilty. I only started recently recently using it, like in the last three months. Like I just yeah. I know I'm kind of poking fun at you, but like it's one of those things where like. We're dwelling on fence gates, but really, like, being able to put bushes underwater, being able to put shulkers underwater and and stuff underwater, like sugar... The fact that sugarcane blocks water is weird. Yeah, it is It is you know, a little bit strange. But then if water is responsible for breaking sugarcane in some cases, is it? I can't, I can't remember if flowing water does or not. But no. Okay, yeah. The, 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 beha- the, the behavior is, is a little bit strange, but you're right, yeah. Mm. I, can, can bamboo be waterlogged? Is bamboo like sugarcane in that way that it 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 blocks water because that's something something new that's I, coming in 1.14 i think you can put bamboo in water and it, and it logs just like a fence post i could i could be wrong or it I, just it can't could, be it, placed there to begin with maybe yeah that yeah. could be it too uh, i really i don't remember and i've not messed around in the snapshot enough to know i'm also to the point where i'm kind of like I'm exploring some bugs that might come up and trying to see what's going on, but I'm not playing too much in 114 because I kind of want to have a little bit of surprise and a little bit of exploration. Like I don't yeah. want to play in a in a creative snapshot world, you know, every week, you know, uh, and then have all the features kind of exposed to me before I start to actually apply them in survival. Um, because I also think that playing in creative gives you a false sense of how the game actually feels when you're yeah. playing in survival. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so I'm, I am some of the stuff I am kind of like you know well I don't know because I haven't like deep dived and I'll I'll get into that you know as it comes and I mean you and I both you know would do this as content creators we would do it because it would give us more stuff to talk about like in a, in a you know in a, in a in a YouTube video or a stream uh, exploring bamboo and all the different things it can do and all that kind of stuff I didn't really mean to make that rhyme but I did anyway <laughs> I the 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 one thing that I did check that, that I did I was curious about um, was mentioned in one of the snapshot videos I watched was that the eye height of certain mobs was dropped lower because if they were three blocks high and their eye height was too high they were suffocating in blocks above their head right okay and you and I who have just recently um, been building and tweaking uh, wither skeleton farms I went ooh. Yeah. Did they drop did they drop the eye line of the wither skeletons cuz that would suck. Uh and they didn't. Uh it's the same. I did okay. a quick test in 114. I dropped into another. Actually, I found out very quickly that my um 114 test world has an amazing nether spawn. <laughs> kind of jealous. <laughs> yeah. The, the, it was like I open, I walked out of the portal and it's like, "Oh, the nether fortress is right there. I'm looking at it." <laughs> yeah. It's like, that, sweet. That, that happens to me so often when I load up a test world. I'm like, "Why couldn't I be building here? This is great." <laughs> yeah, like exactly, so much right? of the scenery looks incredible. I really like the way that river connects to the sea over there and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. All all those worlds that could have been. Yeah, but uh, so for anybody that is worried about the eye height of wither skeletons and using that kind of eye height to exploit farms and early wither skeleton farms, that has not changed. It's mostly it appears to be like llamas and and some other mobs. Uh, the eye height had changed, 
uh, because they were suffocating in, in blocks. But, um, but yeah, I just, little things like that I will test out. But for, as far as like bigger gameplay mechanics, like I, I made a quick bamboo farm. It's just the same as a sugarcane farm. You just plant something different. And it works the exact same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I'm, I'm curious to, to explore that kind of stuff. It's because if memory serves, you can't walk through bamboo, but you can walk through sugarcane. Yeah, bamboo has a solid hitbox, whereas sugarcane yeah. is, is an entity and can be moved through. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure bamboo can also be bone mealed, so there's some different differences to sugarcane there for Java players because mm-hmm. su- sugarcane yeah. can be, be- uh, bone mealed on bedrock as well. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Yeah, there's yeah. all these differences that I'm just I'm not so up on. But <laughs> speaking of bedrock, we should probably get into chunk mail because we have some very specific uh, questions about bedrock and, and things in chunk mail. Uh, this email comes from Ryan in South Dakota. Hey guys, first of all, I love the podcast as well as your other content. Johnny, especially since I have kids that play Minecraft, it's really awesome to have a family-friendly YouTube show that goes through the game in a really fun way that our whole family can watch together, which I thought was an excellent thing to point thank out. You. Thank you very we- much, Ryan and family. We gifted our family an Xbox One for Christmas this past year, and Minecraft was bundled with the console. I am thoroughly surprised at how fun the game is. What I had always viewed as a kid's obsession has now become uh, my own. One of us. One of us. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to the fold, Ryan. Uh, That being said, I wonder if you might spend an episode, well, we're going to talk about it here, uh, about servers and realms, the downside upside of each, and if there might be a possibility of creating your own server on console version, etc. I know you guys play, uh, play on Java Edition, but it, you may be more familiar enough with that. Uh, but we're on console bedrock. Uh, so when you speak to that, if you could speak to both, that'd be great. I uh, thought I'd throw it out there. Keep up the fantastic production content. It's really well done. Well, thank you very much, Ryan. Appreciate that. And uh, and yeah, I will second your, your vote to the Minecraft Survival Guide as being an excellent family-friendly uh, show I point people towards it all the time when people ask me hey I'm new to Minecraft and I've got kids what do I do and I say you watch this and then you listen to this and we will keep your sanity <laughs> in, in the minefield of, of YouTube content I'm so flattered but also very British and it's hard for me to accept compliments so let's move on <laughs> I'm doing this on purpose it's very fun um, so I, I can really only speak to uh, the Java stuff because mm-hmm. I've I know I don't have access to bedrock I've never played on it and I couldn't if I wanted to uh, so I started playing on a Mojang Realm. It was a friend's realm, and he had a free month uh, because he had never used his free month. Uh, they had never, you know, played on it together. So uh, my friend Stephen and his sons, he he decided to activate his free month to get me into the game to be able to play with me and not be in the same room as me. Uh, and also, he had been wanting to test out to see if it's something that his family would enjoy, as they all like to play together. And it might be fun to not have to be, you know, just on a local land realm. He might want to have some of his kids' friends, you know, come in and play as well. So they tested it out. We ended up playing for a couple of months. I, you know, gave Stephen a little bit of money because, you know, I had access to play as well. Uh, it ultimately didn't last. The boys lost interest. Um, but what was nice about it is that even with a Mojang realm, which I, I, I anticipated to be quite closed, Stephen was able to download the world and send it to me. And then I continued to play on that for months to come as my own single player world. Cause I had put a lot of time into that particular world, that seed. And I didn't want to just start from scratch all over again. So uh, that worked out really well. So you do have options, at least from a Java side on a Mojang realm that if you don't like it, you can download the world and move on. Furthermore, uh, I did the same thing with the Citadel, which I started a couple of years ago. I started my free month um, because previously I was playing on Stevens and I started the Citadel and invited a free few friends. I wanted to see if it would stick, if the community was going to play, if I was going to play. 
and it turned to a obsession, as you might well be aware. And, <laughs> and, and, and uh, now it's a podcast. Right. Uh, but it also limited me because Mojang did not give me a lot of options as far as what I wanted to do on a server. But I downloaded the backup of uh, uh, the world download of the Citadel. And I started a new server, which is hosted by Cubed Host, one of many server, um, I guess, hosting services out there. I see Cubed Host um, bandied around a lot. Uh, but I was able to then speak with a customer rep there. I signed up for a server that they had recommended. I ended up adding more RAM just because we played a little bit more than, than they had anticipated we did. Uh, I also thought they were kind of undershooting their specs a little bit for people that play a lot. Um, but I was able to download the Mojang realm of the Citadel and then upload that file to the new server that I am paying for and I control and without losing more than a couple of days, you know, like, you know, we just couldn't play for a couple of days until everything got up and running. Uh, so we didn't lose any builds. Um, there was a little bit of, you know, we had some errors and stuff like that in the world, which we've kind of, you know, made fun of and stuff on, on the Citadel, but it's, um, for the most part, it was a pretty seamless transition. It's pretty affordable. Uh, we pay roughly, it's less, it's less than $20 USD a month, but that's split between four to six people. Uh, so it's really chump change. Like it's, it's less than a latte a month, uh, to, to play hours on this server. Uh, I also have a lot of control. Uh, I play on a vanilla server. I could have a spigot. I could have modded Minecraft installed, uh, I am allowed to and have easy access to install data packs. So we've got a couple of data packs on the server, which is basically like an easy mod mode. You just, you want to have like, you know, single player sleep. You want to have the dragon drops, elytra, little things that might be beneficial to family playing, you know, people of different skill levels, people of different interests. Um, we have a few things like that on, on the Citadel that allow us to have shulker boxes easily without having to travel to the end. Uh, stuff like that. It's just quality of life. So having a server outside of a Mojang realm does give you those kind of options. I can't speak to Bedrock. So Johnny, like I know that you've got a little bit more knowledge in that area. Only a small amount. It's not something I've ever done myself, but it's something that a few of my friends have done. So I'll try and break this down for you. And of course, the Bedrock players in the community can always step in, uh, discuss this on Twitter, send us an email if we want to maybe issue a correction or two. If I mess some stuff up, we can probably cover that more uh, next episode if you guys have anything to chip in with. But um, Bedrock dedicated servers are available, but are only in the alpha phase, according to the Minecraft wiki. Uh, I don't know quite how accurate this information is a lot of the people who edit the minecraft wiki i think are java players so it may be that this page just hasn't been updated for a while but yeah at the last count the bedrock dedicated server option was available but maybe might not run as smoothly as a moyang realm which obviously has been a server hosting option for a while um so Bedrock dedicated servers might not function quite as smoothly as the ones on Java do, which have been established for quite some time. Uh, Bedrock players do have the option to add friends and connect directly to worlds. So if you're just playing at home on the Xbox 360, you have a PC that's got Windows 10 and you have the Windows 10 edition of Minecraft, it is possible for you to correct connect directly through the Xbox app, I believe, on Windows to a world that somebody else is playing on with Xbox One. Uh, as long as you know that person's gamer tag, they're added to your friends, that kind of stuff. So 
It's not around the clock hosting because it requires the host device to be logged in. If the world was originated on the Xbox One and you're connecting to it with Windows 10, you won't be able to connect to it with your Windows 10 machine whilst that Xbox is doing something else or it's logged off. So the world gets hosted on your Xbox One. You can connect to it that way without ever having to look into hosting options at all. You don't need to look at dedicated servers or realms. It's just like connecting to a friend's game. Um... So yeah, if if you're not into around the clock hosting, if you just want it to be like family game time, but you want to do it without having to split screen your Xbox or use, if you've got a bunch of different devices, you've, somebody's got a tablet that they want to log in on, as long as the world is running on one of the machines, even if the host is like just in a safe dirt box somewhere, the other people can still run around and play in the same world. Uh, so that's an option for you without even needing to consider hosting at all. Um, I think Realms for a round the clock you know, 24 hour, seven day a week server is probably the best choice for now because it's the simplest. It's the one that's most easily available. I'm not sure quite how many server hosting companies have converted to bedrock dedicated servers as well. And I'm pretty sure Realms is the most reliable option right now. It's the service that most bedrock server groups like my friends on Truly Bedrock will use for their worlds. And Realms has the advantage of being the first to update because it's Mojang's own hosting service, it'll probably be the first to update to newer versions when they arrive. It shouldn't take server hosting companies too long. And as far as, you know, running your own Java server is concerned, all you really need to do is download the server jar file from the post where they make it public and they say, okay, 1.14 is out now. Here is the server file. Here is the download file for the Minecraft launcher. Then you just need to put that into your Minecraft world directory, reset your world and... I mean, not necessarily reset the map, but like restart the server, I mean. And that's how you you update your server, basically. So it's it's not that difficult to update, but Realms is always going to be like the first thing that gets an update. They're always going to keep it on the latest version. And so it, it makes things a little bit easier that way if you're not that familiar with hosting servers yourself. And I, I would recommend it as an option for first timers. Like Joel said, there's a 30-day free trial available. So if you want to give that a go, then I recommend it. But as far as connecting machine to machine with Bedrock, it can happen through a friends list as long as you don't want the server to be hosted 24-7. I think that's also a pretty pretty good option. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I popped on to uh, Minecraft.net quickly just to look at Realms, and they've got two pricing. They've got two friends or 10 friends. Uh, one is 549 Canadian. The other one is 1099 Canadian. Both of those are cheaper than what I pay for my cubed host. Um, but then your cubed host is going to have more slots for additional players as well. That's the thing. Like Re- uh, yeah. Re- Realms I mean, has I... like a, a hard limit on the amount of players that you can have online at once. I don't think it's like I... the amount of people who can log in over time, but it's like you can only yeah. have up to ten people on at the same time. At the same time. So, and the thing, the thing with uh, well, and I think they do that to arbitrarily um, limit performance so that mm-hmm. people don't complain about like, oh, your Mojang Realm was really slow. It's like, sure. well, you've got twenty five people logged yeah, in. No yeah, wonder yeah. it's slow. Yeah. Uh, and this is the problem that that um, I don't know if I have a player cap on Cube Toast. I have a suggested player. Yeah. It's it's like oh, this is for you know uh, eight to twelve people, and it was the base level. Well, we the first thing that we did after about a week of playing was upgrade to the next level, and the next level is where we're at. Um, we are that that you know twenty dollars a month Canadian ish uh, that I'm paying is not the base. Like we upped the RAM because we discovered quickly that while we are not you know more than 10 to 12 players we were at the time four to six very active players doing a lot of redstone and farming and entities and stuff 
And then we had the 113 drop and the lag issues. And so we just discovered that, you know, for our play style, we had to up the RAM. I don't know that there's a big limit. I mean, obviously, I don't think we could have 50 people log in at once, but but I don't know if there's a hard limit in terms of like five to 10. I want to say that the suggested player range for where I'm at is like 20, but mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I don't see that happening in the, in the near future. Uh, but all the speak of, of realms and servers and stuff actually uh, brings me into the discussion topic that I wanted to pitch to you uh, this week, a little bit short, shorter discussion this week. Um, but one of the things that I do uh, and have the ability to do, which is nice on um, the Citadel is download backups. Uh, the the cube toast interface is very easy to understand and I am able to schedule daily server resets and daily server backups and they happen roughly two to three o'clock in the morning you know my time uh, which is also a nice reminder to get off Minecraft and go to bed uh, if I have to be playing late on a weekend um, but you know that's that's the first thing that I would suggest you know in terms of how are we or should you prepare your world for Minecraft 114 which is coming quite quickly uh, and, and, uh, you know, having a server that has those kind of capabilities does not auto update. Uh, I, I have that turned off. I have to manually say, yes, update to 114. I'm ready. My friends are ready. We've researched it. We've watched a couple of other servers do it and they've not, you know, caught fire and, <laughs> and stopped playing. Yeah. yeah. So, so we are safe to do it. Okay, go. Uh, so that that's some nice control. I don't know that you'd have that control with the Mojang Realm. I think that as soon as it's out, they might just say, bam, you're now on Warren 14 and you kind of have to roll forward whether you like it or not. Uh, I don't know if Realms have that, you know, if you have that control to say like, I don't want to play on 114 yet. Or, you know, people that have, uh, we've mentioned before on the show, um, people that like the combat or, or prefer the performance of 1.12 or 1.8. And, you know, if you were on a realm, I don't know that you'd be able to be like, I want to play on 1.8. I think that the realm might just be like, nope, not available, not a thing. Um, so, yeah. So, I, for me, the other things that I'm doing in terms of like, you know, servers and manual backups and all that kind of stuff, uh, I'm actually doing a little bit of like in-game prep as well. I'm trying to, you know, finish up old projects. I'm AFKing at our gold farm <laughs> right yeah. now, trying to get a shulker box full of iron blocks just to have, just in case it becomes a problem later on. Uh, I'm also... Uh, I was been debating about whether I want to bother to fix the villager breeder. So there's a few things I'm not doing either. Things that are a pain in the butt, like these current 113 villager breeders are, they're not needed in the new version. So why fix the old version? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do with the building. I think I might just leave it there. I, my <laughs> trading hall is going to be Burroken. Uh, so I'm also thinking like, hmm, I should maybe AFK get a bunch of carrots and potatoes, trade for a bunch of emeralds, and get a shulker box full of mending books. That might also be a good idea. You know, there's a bunch of things that you can do if you're not going to start fresh with 114 uh, to to prep, you know, to have a few things that might be harder to get, might not be available anymore, stuff like that. Uh, so, I, I mean, that's kind of the Coles notes of what I'm doing to, to prepare for 114. Johnny, do you have any plans for uh, the survival guide? First of all, of course, this is a reminder to make a backup for your single-player worlds as well. This is not a drill. Back up your world. It's it's very easy to do. In fact, if you are planning on moving up a version, if you're moving from 1.13.2 to 1.14, it will actually say, hey, this world was last opened in an earlier version. Do you want to make a backup before you do this? Click yes. 
uh, unless you have like you know issues with hard drive space or something and you've already made a ton of backups click yes it will help you um the 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 thing about survival guide now it's it's a, a series that is so precious to me and i don't want to lose progress in it that i'm backing it up if not every day then probably every couple of days and um yeah i just i just make sure to keep basically like a, a kind of a snapshot of it i keep a a kind of carbon copy of it anywhere i can you know on a, on a spare external hard drive just in case something goes wrong with my current yep. hard drive you know i, I need that to was the point i was going to make too make sure it's not all on the one computer exactly i need to be paranoid about this stuff uh, that's the only way i can feel safe <laughs> as, a, as a content creator who relies on this world specifically um in terms of what i'm doing to prep the actual world for 1.14 um, make sure your villagers are safe. Pillagers can spawn in patrols elsewhere. They're not just around the pillager towers. Uh, they're not just in raids. They will spawn randomly out there in the world in grasslands, in unlit areas. I think the spawning for pillagers is actually kind of different because they can spawn in certain... It's like light levels below 0 and 8, but then sky light levels are also a factor i think from what i read on the minecraft wiki so it's going to be interesting to see if they can spawn like during the day as well not quite mm. certain how that works block light might still prevent them from spawning but skylight may not so be aware because it, it, it might be a possibility to see pillagers spawning during the day they will attack villagers from range with crossbows so just like you know melee proofing zombie proofing your villager trading cells if you've got them outdoors out in the open will probably no longer be enough you will have to put them in some sort of area that is protected from ranged attacks as well as melee. So that's going to be an interesting switch to make because so far, like, skeletons don't attack villagers. Zombies are the only things that really attack villagers up until this point. But now villagers have a ranged threat as well. That has me concerned. So make sure you have a way to protect them. If you're not trading with them, make sure they are safe. Uh, pillagers will spawn 200 blocks away from a village, so they won't necessarily be at a village when they spawn in. However, your trading hall, your villager breeder, your iron farm, none of these are going to count as villages anymore because they won't have beds and workstations at them. So bear in mind, if you want something to count as a village, and that will probably keep pillagers from spawning too close to it, you need to make sure you're going to update it to an actual village with like yeah a bed meeting places it needs bells that kind of stuff mm. so so bear in mind if, if you want your I, I guess iron farms aren't going to be such a problem because the villagers are already contained but those iron farm designs are going to change so potentially you'll need to see to that a little bit as well your villager breeder is going to break but you'll have a bunch of villagers in that area if you want to save any of them make sure you keep them safe so i'm curious can can they spawn can pillagers spawn inside inside of a villager breeder or, well, or like no, or no, like no, village un breeder, underground. Like a, like, do you mean? Like I have, I have a large hall. Like it's a big place, uh, and we we had to light it and zombie proof it and stuff like that. But like there's, it's like I don't know, probably thirty blocks long, ten blocks wide. That's our villager trading hall. Uh, so I'm wondering if that's no longer a village, then you know, then could it be? Could could pillagers spawn inside? Does it have a roof? Yes. Okay, then I think you're fine because looking at it, it says uh, they they spawn. Uh, illagers, illager patrols can spawn a maximum of five pillagers up to 200 blocks away from a village on grass or sand 
with a block light level of 0 to 8 and a skylight level of 10 to 15. So okay. the idea is that they I'll are say. spawning out on the plains rather right. than like they'll pop up in caves. I, I assume you right. won't see pillagers at all when you're caving because why would they be there? <laughs> I, right. think, I think that's that the idea. Sense. So yeah. Um, so yeah. I've got a wood floor, so we're good. Yeah, and, and, and in terms of like, yeah, if, if, you're, if your village isn't built in a certain area, then chances are you'll be safe. Mine is up in the mountains, um, and, and my, my trading hall is there, but my trading hall is going to have to change anyway. So we'll, we'll see, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting time. It's going to be interesting to see if anybody has real problems with pillagers now that the, uh, the villagers are, are, are slightly less well defended or they have more natural predators, I guess you could say. Um, aside from that, get familiar with the new crafting recipes, I think is going to be the next thing. There's going to be crafting recipes for all the new workstations. You will need those in order to preserve your current villagers' professions to prevent them from becoming unemployed and also to manipulate the professions of new villagers if you want to turn a bunch of them into librarians, for example. Just craft a bunch of lecterns. Get familiar with those crafting recipes if you can because obviously they'll pop up in the recipe book, but you'll probably need to know roughly what ingredients you need to make them anyway. Mm. Um, and get familiar with new mechanics for stuff like iron farms, because I'm sure deep dives on these mechanics are going to happen soon. Now is probably a really great time to subscribe to some technical Minecrafters, Uriel Mangos, the, you know, the other members of the Psycraft server, DocM77, Logical Geek Boy, who's doing his um, dissecting Minecraft series. There's, there's going to be a lot of people investigating these mechanics in the, the weeks to come, and I'm fairly certain we'll see a bit of development in that field. So it's worth keeping on top of this stuff. Like now is definitely the time to to follow a, a good bunch of YouTubers. If you're not sure what's going to be happening in 1.14, if you're a little bit unfamiliar with the mechanics, if you've been staying away from snapshot videos and you want the surprise, yeah, look up those YouTubers because they'll be able to fill you in on what's uh, what's been happening. Aside from that, cross your fingers and have fun, I think is the only <laughs> other advice I've got left. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've got I've got some other thoughts about you know uh, Minecraft updates and and stuff like that. Not it's less to do with preparing for one fourteen and more to do about what to do in one fourteen. So yeah. I've kind of got to bite my tongue on that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. The closer it gets, uh, I'm starting to take. It's weird because we you know we're reporting on it on in the show and you know the best way that we can. But I'm also starting to distance myself a little bit from 114 news i kind of want to have at least some sort of new experience when the game comes out yeah so uh it's it's weird that you know i need to be on you know in the loop of what's going on but i also kind of like i kind of want to figure this out on my own you know a little bit later yeah. you know in actual gameplay i am quite pleased that it's not been as long as it felt like it was before like the update aquatic should be out by now and then it actually releasing yes i, I think they've been yeah. a little bit more kind of they've been playing it a little a little closer to the chest as far as exactly when they intended this update to be out and now they're at, we're actually seeing it come to fruition. It feels a lot less like everybody's holding their breath for it, which is good. Yeah. Um, and that and the fact that 1.13 has been such a fantastic update for getting people back into the game, refreshing people's ideas, new mechanics to explore and stuff like that. It'll be interesting to see if 1.14 is the same, but I think they're, they're definitely handling the release of this one a little bit better. They're sticking to the deadlines they mentioned at Minecon, because mm -hmm. they said that this update was going to be coming out around like you know spring this year which it does seem to be at this stage mm -hmm. so even if we've got another week to wait even if it's another spawn chunks or so before 1.14 actually releases uh, i'm still very much looking forward to it 
And yeah, you can imagine a an action-packed show when it actually uh, comes around. But I oh, think yeah. as far as this action-packed show goes, I think we're going to wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the things we've talked about at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast, which means we don't read ads, we don't take money from advertisers. All of the funding from the show comes from you. And if you're getting some value out of the show, you might want to consider putting some value back in. In. You can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join our community where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons only discord chat and get us next get us closer to our next goal the chunk mail dispenser where we'll go over a bit of chunk mail from our patrons in the post show segment called the render distance. We are currently at 89 patrons which I'm pretty sure is up from last week and I want to give a special thanks to our content engineers Pankwa, Yitz and Pajitos for supporting this episode. Thank you guys so much your support means the world to us. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spun Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations by far the best way to share the podcast with everyone. Server mates, uh, talk about Minecraft. Like anytime that you have an opportunity to share the show, if you're a fan, then it really does go a long way. We even have some stories in the Discord right now about some of our members that are sharing The Spun Chunks with some of their friends firsthand, which is really, really cool to see. You can email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com and you can find us by name on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify, and don't forget YouTube. Uh, podcast reviews and ratings is also a great way uh, to spread the word about the show. It helps with the discoverability, uh, as does YouTube likes and those sort of things. We have a review this week that comes from the iTunes store in the U.S. by Ferelli. Uh, 30 episodes in and just getting started. Each week, Joel and Johnny dive into what they've worked on, the news of the week, including snapshots and topics from their own experiences and listener chunk mail. Monthly roundtables with featured guests result in some fascinating discussions about the building and technical aspects of Minecraft. If you're into Minecraft, you definitely want to give these guys a listen thank you so much for a fantastic review on the itunes store that's fan that's just so so cool to see really appreciate that the rss feed is linked on the spunchunks.com and the patron only rss feed is on the patreon page and that is the only place where you can listen to the render distance that johnny mentioned earlier my name is Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called The Minecraft Survival Guide. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search, and I stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for my Survival Guide series. Been doing a lot of castle building lately, and it's only going to continue from here. Aside from that, I'm at pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me for some design work, just uh, drop me a line through the website. The Citadel Cafe is a podcast I do every week about sci-fi and geeky entertainment. We are back into Game of Thrones, so if you are a fan of that show, uh, the Citadel Cafe is the place to be because we turn into a a Game of Thrones fan podcast for the next six weeks. Uh, it's going to be pretty, pretty fun. Uh, Comics Coast to Coast is another show where I interview comic creators, illustrators, and animators. And everything that I do is on YouTube and Twitch right now for video content. It's easy to find. It's all just my name. Uh, please come hang out. It's been a lot of fun, especially over on Twitch. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Back up your villagers.